0: And welcome back, Employment Law Show. We are uh, ready to uh, to have Adder. You want to email at any time. That is very simple. You can call as well. One eight five five eight two one. 5900 would be the uh, place to go help dot ca to email. We'll also talk about the pocket employment lawyer in just a bit. But first, pal, before we get into our topic for today, which is, are you an employee or an independent contractor? Always a lot of gray area in this, and people get confused, so that's why we're going to concentrate on that in some emails on today's sh- show. But first,
1: pal, a week that was, what do you have going on? What don't I have going on, John? Uh, gosh, a, a lot of different scenarios I've come across this week, every week, a lot of uh, workplace problems solved, and it's exciting. It's, uh, it's great. It's what I enjoy doing. So keep bringing them on. Keep calling. Keep e- emailing with your questions because you give me an opportunity to hopefully make you feel better about your workplace situation. There's always solutions. There's always answers. There's always options. So if you're facing a workplace problem, tune into this show all our shows, on radio, on TV, or of course, you want to reach out to me, you want to talk to me privately like so many people do, not a problem. You'll have my contact information throughout the show. You can call, you can email, always uh, ready, willing, and uh, excited to talk to you. Uh, week that was, though, where I always like to start off, a couple of specific situations that came across my desk just over the past few days or so. Uh, I spoke with a lady who was uh, let go from her job. And what happened with her is she had uh, found out in the middle of a workday that a relative of of hers, an aunt, uh, who was uh, just out of town, was very sick, was hospitalized, and the family didn't know, you know, if she's going to make it, if she's going to make it through the night. Uh, You know, it it was a very kind of tough situation. She immediately wanted to leave and go uh, visit this family member. Uh, and she went to talk to her boss and said, can I leave now, please? Uh, I have an aunt that's in the hospital. I'd like to go see her right away. Uh, boss said, unfortunately, no, we, we're, we're, very busy. You, we, you can't leave early. You know, it's halfway through the day. Can't do it. Right. Uh, she went back to work and, uh, was feeling very stressed out about it. Couldn't, can I keep uh, concentrating and eventually probably did something that I wouldn't have recommended doing is she left. She left, yeah. she went off uh, to visit her family member, again, not getting the approval of her boss. And uh, sure enough, when she came back the next day, she was handed the letter saying, you were let go for a cause, uh, this is uh, insubordination, we told you not to leave and you took off. Mm-hmm. And she contacted me, upset and tears, you know, what was I to do, was it right, is it wrong? So, so here's the thing, John, uh, obviously, you know, if you're... In a situation where your boss is telling you not to leave work, I understand why she did, but strictly speaking, she's not supposed to. But that's not really the question. The question is not whether she did something wrong. The question is whether that is cause for termination, whether this one incident is bad enough to result in her being let go for cause without any compensation, without any severance. And the answer to that is an emphatic no, no way, not even close. Yes, she may not have uh, done the right thing, but it's not cause. Not to mention, she also has the the sympathy factor going in her uh, favor, mm-hmm. given the fact that she wasn't uh, leaving to go uh, gamble in the casino; she was leaving to visit a, a dying family member. But it's not cause, and I wanted to remind everyone, and, I, and that's why I'm bringing this up, uh, to remind people that even if you've done something wrong it does not mean you can lose your job for cause. And it's a reminder for employees and for employers. It's very difficult to terminate for cause. The conduct has to be multiple, and there has to be serious misconduct, and, and there has to be a situation where it's impossible to employ the person. In this situation, John, yes, maybe she did something wrong. It's not cause. She's owed full severance. She's been there for five years. She's owed over six months of pay, and I'm going to help her get it
0: what should if an employer is listening going okay i i understand the situation but i don't have an hr department what should i do in that case what should the employer have uh, done obviously not let her go but uh, what would be the first step for them
1: well they the, the really the only appropriate uh response here if she did something wrong is to give her a letter saying you know the, we're giving you a warning you left without permission that's unacceptable and and we expect you to to be at work when you're supposed to be and give her that warning. If there's another incident like that happens, you give her a second warning, and maybe even couch it as a final warning. And if she does it a third time, well, then you may be in cause territory. At that point, the employer may think, well, what can I do with this person? I warned her. I warned her again. She clearly is not getting it. What else can I do? So that's what the person should have done. Very simple, a warning, uh, and document that. But to, to, to let her go for cause for this one situation, no, that's not even close.
0: Before we uh, break here, we've got about a minute. Let's uh, let's just get into it quickly. Pocket Employment Lawyer. Tell me all about it.
1: Pocket Employment Lawyer is a tool that I created uh, to, to allow people to get the legal information, the legal answers that they need anytime on their smartphone, on their tablet, on their desktop, whatever they want. It's like having your own employment lawyer, your own Lior in your pocket. <laughs> all right. So pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the address. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And what does it do? Well, it does a number of things. It can help you find out how much severance you're owed. It can help you determine if you were let go for cause properly, if there's cause, if you're an employer or a contractor, if you're in a constructive dismissal situation, if your human rights have been violated, if you're a victim of workplace harassment, and more. All those things. It's easy. It's anonymous. It's free. And despite what I said, it takes literally a minute to go through this. You answer a number of questions and it tells you about your situation. It's the easiest way to find out about your workplace rights. It's the first place you should go to. If you have a legal question, you can call me or email me, or if it's midnight or if it's on a Sunday and I'm not in the office, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Check it out right now, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca.
0: I know there's another matter you want to discuss before we get into our topic for the day. We'll get to that. Uh, You want to reach out, 1-855-821-5900, very simple, and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue with the Employment Law Show right here, Global News Radio. To reach out any time, get a hold of Lior, member of the crew. It's real simple, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca is the uh, the way to go. Uh, another matter you wanted to talk about, uh, brother, before we get into uh, the difference between an employee or an independent contractor, because always muddy water's there. So uh, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I spoke with a gentleman uh, just uh, beginning of the week who had uh, relocated to Canada from Europe a couple of years ago. Now, he had worked for the same company in Europe for about 10 years, and, and he was asked to relocate to, to to transfer to their Canadian office. And he did, and he moved here with his family, and he had worked here for the last two years. And because of a, a restructuring at the company, he was recently let go. Well, when he was let go, the company said, well, you're a two-year employee. We're going to pay you severance as a two-year employee. And he called me and he wanted to know very simply, do my 10 years with this company in Europe, do they count? Mm -hmm. Well, John, the answer is absolutely yes. They 100% count. When it comes to length of service, the entire length of service with the company counts, even if it's potentially with a different department or division, even if it's in a different province or a different country. Many companies operate, operate globally. And sometimes people do move from office to office or even country to country. And if that happens, if you end up in Ontario uh, and then you are let go, the service that you had in other locations count. Now, for him, John, that means he is a 12-year employee, not a two-year employee. And that's going to have a massive difference when it comes to severance. So remember, any all service with the company counts, even if it's a different department, even if it's a different location, if you're let go, the entire length of service counts, and that's going to have a very significant impact on what you're owed when it comes to severance.
0: Employee or an independent contractor, I mean, uh, th- there's a reason why we're doing this. We know this really is a big issue, isn't it? And uh, do people really get misclassified all that much?
1: My God, John, it, 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 uh, not, not a week goes by, probably not a day goes by when I don't speak with individuals that have been misclassified, that have been treated as independent contractors, sometimes for years. When they're really obviously our employees. When we do our live shows, we get calls all the time also with people that are misclassified. It's a huge issue. Probably one of the top two or three issues that come across yeah. my desk every day. So if you're uh, an independent contractor or believe that you are, you may be misclassified. So stay tuned to what we're going to be talking about next. Well, we'll get uh, we'll get
0: right into it here. So, uh, I mean, the, the, the first and obvious question people are probably wondering, what's the difference
1: between an employee and independent contractor? So... Let's start with uh, an independent contractor, because uh, employees are a lot easier. Independent contractor is someone that's in business for himself or, or herself, someone who is running a business. So a plumber runs a plumbing business, an electrician runs an electrical business, uh, you know, a, a painter runs a painting business, etc. So someone that's in business for him or herself, and then has customers or clients that they provide services to. So if you have a, 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 a marketing business and you're providing marketing consultants to a number of companies and a new company says, and yeah, we need your help with a particular project uh, to provide this, your marketing services, yeah, you may be an independent contractor because you have this marketing business, uh, you, you're, you're promoting your services, you have a number of clients, you're hired on a project and then you move on to a different client, then you're probably an independent contractor. You have your own business, you, you, you have your own expenses, uh, and, and you're in charge of that. On the other hand, an employee is someone that's very different. An employee is someone that doesn't work for themselves. They work for a company. They have a boss. They have someone they report to. They're integrated with the company that they work for. They don't necessarily pay their own expenses. Uh, They don't have a bunch of customers. So if you're really working for someone else, it's that simple. You are an employee. If you're working for yourself, your own business with a bunch of customers, uh, then you're an independent contractor. Most people, though, fall in that employee category, and they could be called independent contractor because a company wants to save money, because a company wants to avoid employment laws, and that's where things become illegal. So
0: someone's listening, it's going, yeah, okay, well, I, I get it, Leora, I, I understand the basics, but uh, what does it matter? If well, I'm an employer, or an independent contractor, what do I care?
1: Well, the big reason is if you're uh, an independent contractor, employment laws don't apply to you. It's essentially the Wild West, whereas with employees, we have laws. We have laws with respect to minimum wage and vacation pay and overtime pay, not to mention severance and termination pay. All those laws apply to employees and much, much more. Well, with independent contractors, nothing applies. So you you, you will not get vacation pay or overtime pay, and if you lose that job, you're not going to get severance if you're, in fact, an independent contractor. So it really comes down to the laws. If you've been misclassified, then the laws should apply to you. You could be owed vacation pay, potentially going back years. You could be owed overtime, going back years. You could be owed severance if you lost a job. So that's why it's important to get it right. And by the way, if you don't get it right, if you are misclassified, another reason why you care about it is at some point, CRA may knock on the door and audit you and and say, wait a second, you've been filing your taxes like an independent contractor. Uh Uh-uh. You really were an employee all along. There's going to be back taxes, fines, penalties. It's a bad place to be in.
0: Just getting warmed up in this particular topic, uh, employee versus independent contractor, which one do you fall under? We'll, uh, we'll dig deeper, and that might clear it up for you. You'll want to reach out, so 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. To reach out, get a hold of your member of the team any time, whether we're on the air or not, One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at employmentlawyer.ca. So you're wondering during the break, okay, now I'm not sure. I could be an employee, could be an event contractor. There could be pitfalls to both. Give us a, Give us a common example of a situation where someone was misclassified.
1: Wow, God, I could talk about this with the next six shows and not even uh, begin to scratch the surface. Uh, You know, it's very common with a number of industries. You know, truckers, for example. Oftentimes, I see this with a truck driver. They're misclassified as independent contractors. uh, And they work for one company. They go where the company tells them to go. They've been doing it for years and years. They have to take the directions from dispatch, but they're they're called, quote unquote, independent contractors. Nonsense. It doesn't work that way. They are uh, employees. Uh, very common with many industries. I see this with IT professionals. They work for one company. They're misclassified as independent contractor. I once had a case. This is silly. Uh, a bookkeeper worked for the same company three days a week for 25 years, oh okay? God. Quote, unquote, independent contractor. When <sighs> she was let go. The company said, oh, no, we're not going to pay you anything because you're an independent contractor. No, no. She was an employee for 25 years. She was owed severance of two years' pay. So these things happen very, very often. You simply ask yourself, do I have a job? Do I work for someone? If the answer is yes, you are an employee. It doesn't matter what you thought you were or what the company says that you are. The law makes that determination. And if you look like an employee and if you act like an employee, then guess what? You're an employee.
0: You know, someone might be listening going, oh, well, wait a minute, I understand all that, but there was a nice, you know, nifty, clean employment contract put in front of me, and I signed as an uh, independent contractor. So I guess that must be gospel, or maybe how you pay your taxes. Does that make a difference?
1: And that's exactly what people always say. Well, no, no, look at this paper, or It says, I signed this. It says, I'm an independent contractor, and I'm filing my taxes. It doesn't change it. It doesn't matter. Anyone can sign a contract. So if it was that simple... Let's just have everyone sign a piece of paper that says you're an independent contractor and everyone becomes one, right? right? Well, we'll have no employees, why have employees? It doesn't work that way. The the analysis starts with the idea that it's substance over form. So it's about how you work and who you work for and where you work, not what piece of paper you sign, not even how you file your taxes. Mm-hmm. So, you may have signed something, all that means is that piece of paper misclassifies you, okay? if if i say that uh john uh you're an electrician but you really work in radio that doesn't make you an electrician just because you sign a piece of paper saying you're an electrician right by the same token if you if you really are an employee but you sign a piece of paper that says you're an independent contractor it doesn't make you an independent contractor nah. being an independent contractor means you have a business you're operating a business that's the only thing that can make you an independent contractor so,
0: I mean, in a scenario where you're offered a job, but you're offered the job as an independent contractor, and you know that you will really be an employee, you're kind of at a bit of a crossroads. What do you
1: do? It is a, a problem because, you know, I want the job, right? and right. if the only way I can get the job is just to agree to be an independent contractor, most people will think that they have to do that. Well, and, and you're right. You, you, If you really want the job and that's your only option, you may have to. Uh, but keep in mind, that uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the case. The first thing I would do is I would talk to the company and say, you know, I'm concerned for both our sakes that uh, that this actually may misclassify me. And, you know, we don't want CRA to come in and, uh, and cause problems, so can we make my, me an employee? I'm fine with the salary that you offered me. I'm fine with the job and the terms, but maybe it makes sense for me to actually be treated like an employee. Right. A smart company, a company that's going to get legal advice, will, will understand that because it's also in the company's interest in the company's interest to get it right. Because if they get it wrong and they misclassify you, they can have a huge liability, even bigger than the individual's liability. Mm. So they should get it right. Now, if despite this, you end up accepting a job, the best thing I can tell you is remember, if and when your job comes to an end, because you're likely an employee in the eyes of the law, you're still owed severance. So when that happens, you give me a call and I can help you get the full severance that you're owed. So those... That are thinking now, okay, that's going into a job, but uh-oh, I've
0: been at this place for 15, 20 years. Now I'm realizing that they've misclassified me. What do I do?
1: Well, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, yeah. So if you've been misclassified, right now you have entitlements. Right now you can claim overtime and vacation pay going back a few years. The problem is you may not decide not to do that because if you're still working for the company, do you really want to file a claim against them? Do you really want to kind of do that? You absolutely can but if you're not comfortable doing that, well, then the only other time to deal with this contractor versus employee issue is when that job comes to an end. At that point, you can pursue some entitlements with respect to overtime, vacation pay. You can certainly pursue your severance. So you can deal with it now if you're comfortable doing it, if you're comfortable uh, engaging in the process with the company that you work for. If you're not, the best time to deal with it is when that job comes to an end. But remember, every day that you, you're you working Mis- being misclassified, there's liability. Yeah. Uh, you know, any every day that you file your, you pay your taxes in a way that's not actually appropriate. There's liability, so you have to keep that into into consideration.
0: Before we break, any advice for uh, for employers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if if you're uh, hiring someone to work for you in a regular job, then hire them as an employee. Don't misclassify them. If you are going to have independent contractors, make sure they're actually independent contractor. Make sure that they don't work for you exclusively, that they have their own business, that they have other customers and clients, that they don't have regular hours with you, that they don't just work from your office, that, that they pay for their own expenses. Have proper independent contractors. If you can't do all those things, you have to hire them as employees. Otherwise, there could be significant liability. It's not worth it to misclassify to save a few shekels. The employer and the independent
0: contractor, there is an in-between category. We'll tackle that after for a short break here. you want to stick around for it. You might fit into that category. Uh, if not, the other two. We'll we uh, we'll take a break and talk about it. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. The number, anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We talked about the employee versus the independent contractor. It's pretty important you get this right. But there's, uh, I guess you could say, an
1: in-between category called uh, dependent contractor. What is that? So there's an in-between category. So someone that's not quite an employee, but also not quite an independent contractor. So a dependent contractor is someone that uh, doesn't necessarily work just for one company, but they have one company that they mainly work for. So you, you could be a situation where you may have two or three customers that you work for, but one of them is your big one. One of them is the one you work for consistently, you get most of your compensation from. Well, in that situation, the law may consider you to be a dependent contractor of that company. And what does that mean? Really, it means one thing. It means that if and when that company decides to end the relationship with you, you're still going to be owed severance pretty much like an employee. So that is extremely important to remember. You may not be an employee. You may be that in-between category, a dependent contractor legally, and still be owed severance if and when the company decides to to let you go or to end a relationship with you. So it's only independent contractors that that don't get severance. So if you're either an employee or a dependent contractor, or if you're not sure which which of those you are, very simple. Call me, email me, or by all means, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca right now. You can go through the analysis there. It takes one minute, and you'll have your answers. I'm betting that
0: one, that particular uh, scenario is right behind, uh, you know, our top scenario of people accepting, uh, you know, inadequate severance and not knowing it. I bet you that one's right up there for people saying, okay, thanks, man. It was great to do the business all these years, even though you're 80% of my income. You know, I just lost a big client and not even think about it. They could be owed severance from that client. I bet you that's right up there.
1: Oh, God, yeah, I see this all the time. It's almost wow. never a situation that the company, the company that actually uh, has that dependent contractor, when they end a relationship, they say, here's your severance. Nonsense, never happens. So it's a very common situation, and the individual is not going to think that they're owed severance. That's why we're here and doing the show, and now they know, yes, very common, but doesn't need to be common. The law makes it very clear. If you're not a, if you're an employee, you get severance. But even if you're not an employee, if you're a dependent contractor, you still get pretty much the same amount of severance.
0: one 821 5900 to reach out. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. I want to move on to our topic of common workplace scenarios. First, I want to bounce over to a quick email. Uh, Patricia writes in just now. She said, our department is being shut down and I'm going to lose my job. I'm scheduled to go on maternity leave in a few weeks. Can you explain uh, what happens to my severance and mat leave in this situation?
1: So here's what would usually happen, which is a, was not a good thing. Assuming, of course, the termination has nothing to do with uh, the uh, the the pregnancy leave because uh, the department's shutting down. Right. Well, what happens if the company pays severance? She she can't have EI uh, for maternity leave and severance for the same period of time. So essentially, the severance is going to reduce her maternity leave or or maternity benefits. It's going to reduce her EI, uh, which is not ideal. So what do I do in most of these situations? First of all, she actually may be owed a lot more severance than what the, the company's offering. Why? Because 90% of people are. Mm-hmm. 90% of people are owed much more severance. So 90% chance that she's owed more as well. So the first thing is let's negotiate proper severance. But the other thing we want to do is why don't we work with the company to defer the payment of the severance until after the EI benefits end, till after the EI maternity benefits is done? So if you're going to get EI benefits for 12 months, why don't we negotiate the deal with a company that the severance is going to get paid after? That way you can essentially have your maternity benefits and your severance for, uh, without uh, them uh, canceling one, uh, one another. So very important to do that. If you're uh, losing your job and you don't want your, uh, your severance to reduce your maternity benefits, give me a call. We can usually work out a deal with the company to make that happen.
0: Let's get into this before we uh, take a short break, and that is common workplace scenarios and how you should react. you got a list of these we're going to go through, and some of these might uh, might ring true for you if you're listening, so uh, so uh, have a listen and see if this is uh, the type of thing you've been wondering. Um, your boss says they had a legitimate reason to let you go from your job. Therefore, we don't owe you any severance, because it's all legit. It's above board.
1: Yes, and, and you know what? They may have a legitimate reason right. that you may have done something, and something that makes the company, you know, yeah, you, you know what? We're not happy with you anymore. But the fact that there's a uh, there's a reason, the fact that the company is not lying about what you did does not mean that they have cause to let you go. And that's a common scenario. We have a good reason. Here's what you did. Like I talked about on the week there was, you took off work without permission. Common scenario. But that doesn't make it legal. So no, the fact that there's a reason, the fact that it's legitimate does not make it legal, does not mean that the company has cause to let you go. Not at all. Because in mo- most cases, as I said right at the top of the show, having a reason or, or doing something wrong does not mean the company can let you go for cause. That's still a wrongful dismissal. It's uh, reserved. Uh, the Termination for cause is reserved for the worst offenders, for people right. that have done something so bad or, or they've done it so many times that that's it. That relationship is now dead, can't be salvaged. Very rare, very hard. That's a common scenario, uh, and it results in a wrongful dismissal.
0: And, I mean, this is what you spend a lot of your time dealing with, right? As you say, they jump
1: the gun or pull the trigger way too early. Way, way too early. And, uh, uh, you know, in in a sense, I can almost understand the company says, well, no, look, this person did something wrong. Why can't I fire them? Well, no, you can fire them. You just can't fire them without compensation. For free, yeah. Uh, For free, without nothing. Again, why? Hey, it's the law. Again, I really don't answer why the law is the way the law is because I don't know and I don't really care right? The law is the law, and my job is to enforce the law, and employers' jobs are to comply with it. Uh, And uh, I I deal with this all the time. So you cannot pull the trigger on a termination for cause uh, too soon. You have to build up a case. You have to do your homework before you could be ever in a position to terminate for cause. If you don't, you're going to find, if you're the employer, that you've wrongfully dismissed the employee.
0: Lots of other scenarios we want to deal with. Maybe some of these ring true for you. So stick around for those. In the meantime, to reach out, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's all on the way as we continue here with the Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. The number, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're talking about uh, common workplace scenarios and how you should react and deal with them. Another one that uh, on the surface this sounds like, hey, it sounds like a break for me, but possibly not. Nowadays that is your employer tells you they're transferring many of your duties, hey, to a new employee because they're uh, younger, if I didn't mention that, and they have a fresh outlook. That's
1: nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice and and I, I put this on the list cuz I've seen a couple of those uh fairly recently. You know, we we need some fresh blood, young blood, new perspectives. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the problem. Uh th- there, there's two problems. Number one is uh regardless of this issue of the new perspective of the or the younger employees if your duties are being taken away, well we call that a constructive dismissal in most cases, company does not have a right to change your job, to to take the job that you had and make it a completely different job. If they do, you, the employee, may have the right to treat that as a termination. Call this constructive dismissal. So right off the bat, it's not appropriate what the company is doing. But then there's the second aspect. If really the company's decision, even though it's not a legal decision to begin with, but if that decision is motivated by improper considerations, such as the person's age, that is now a human rights violation you cannot be treated in any way uh, that's inappropriate because of your age you cannot be uh, terminated certainly but you can't have your job changed. you can't be demoted because of your age age discrimination is real and it's illegal so if that's what happened in this scenario not only is it constructive is it a constructive dismissal it's a human rights violation company cannot should not do that under any circumstances And if you ever find yourself either with a change to your job or being treated inappropriately because of your age, because of your medical condition, your ethnicity, uh, your uh, your gender, that is illegal. The law does not look kindly at that. You really have to reach out to me at that point.
0: Common workplace scenarios. You may be going through some of these, so, uh, so pay attention. Next one is, you know, you're ready to return to work from a disability leave. With some modified duties, and your boss says, yeah, you know what? I think it might be time for you to go elsewhere. (laughs) Yes.
1: Well, your answer is, well, I think no. Uh, And (laughs) it's it's as simple as that. Why? Because a company has a duty to accommodate. And and this often is triggered in a situation where someone uh, has a medical condition that prevents them from doing their job the way they used to. They need help. They need accommodation. Maybe it's modified duties or modified hours. Maybe they need a bit of a different job or flexibility to work from home or flexibility in terms of the hours that they come in and leave. If that is necessitated by your medical condition, the company has to accommodate. Well, guess what? Companies, not surprisingly, often are not too keen on this. They say, you know, it could be a pain in the rear end to have to do this, so maybe the person should just move on somewhere else. Well, the problem with that is if a person moves on, it has to be their decision. It cannot be because you won't accommodate. If a company refuses to accommodate, that's a human rights violation. And right there, it's also a termination. So if I say to my employee, I'm not going to accommodate you, you should go somewhere else. I've terminated their employment, not to mention I violated the human rights. You have a right to expect accommodation. An employer has an obligation to, to make it happen, even if it's difficult, even if it's not the easiest thing to make happen. And if you're ever in that situation where your employer doesn't accommodate, doesn't want to, gives you a hard time, or, or puts a condition on their own duty to accommodate, you've got to reach out to me. Uh, by the way, you can always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to find out if yours is, in an, uh, is an accommodation situation. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Uh, the law is quite clear on that, John
0: is there a threshold for you know
1: employers listening going yeah man how far do i gotta take this so before i can't i can't do it right well every situation is different the law calls no. this accommodation to the point of undue hardship in other words you have to accommodate up to the point where it gets so difficult that now it just becomes unreasonable now what's considered difficult depends on the situation and the company mm-hmm. you know if you're a company with two employees what's going to be difficult for you is very different than if you're a huge uh, bank with thousands of employees and and thousands of positions. So so very, very different. But the fact that it is difficult is not enough for the company to say we're not going to do it. The company is expected to have to do some things even if they're difficult. But of course, there is a limit to that. In my experience, though, John, the companies often say, no, no, it's too difficult before it actually gets to that point.
0: Common workplace scenarios: How to deal with them? How to react? Your employer uh, puts you on a performance improvement plan that will be impossible to satisfy. It's it's, it's way beyond your reach.
1: Yeah, and you know you you have to meet these targets, these milestones, or you have to sell this many units, yeah. and yeah, it's just not gonna happen. You know it's not gonna happen. Well, the 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 important thing to do in that situation, if you know you're not gonna be able to meet those targets, is to say so, and to say so in writing, and to say why okay uh so if i'm ne- i'm never going to be able to sell these units why because our suppliers can't even make these this this uh, number of units in a month or whatever the reason is put that in writing make sure that the company knows you cannot be considered you cannot be seen as agreeing to something that you know is not going to be achieved why ever agree to something you know you're not going to achieve by telling them it's not possible by explaining why by telling them here's what i think is achievable you're going to, number one, make it much more difficult for them to consider letting you go. You're going to potentially save your job for longer and, and, and come across as reasonable and, and as dedicated. So if you're being given targets you're not going to meet, if you're going to be uh, uh, you know, disciplined, if you don't meet those targets, you have to say in writing that it's not going to happen. You have to explain why, and you have to to, to tell them what you think is achievable instead.
0: You know what, I'm going to slide the last one in here just before we break, and that is your boss wants you to sign oh, the new employment contract, and they even threaten to penalize you if you don't sign it.
1: <laughs> well, well, we'll talk more about contracts on our, our next show next week, but uh, John, it, it, that's bad news. If your employer comes to you out of the blue and wants you to sign a new employment agreement, that is bad news 10 out of 10 times, okay? Yeah. that There's a reason why your company wants you to sign that agreement, and the reason is not to make things better for you. It's to make things better for them. It's to give the company rights that they would not otherwise have. Right. So if your company wants you to sign an agreement, make sure you review it carefully and don't just look at the salary and the job duties. Call me, let's take a look at it together. There could be terms in there that limit your severance entitlements, that give the company the right to lay you off temporarily, that give the company the right to change your job or change your compensation. Do not sign an employment agreement once you've already started working without having it reviewed. Full stop, no exceptions.
0: We'll uh, we'll take that last final break for today and bounce over to some of your emails. You want to send one along, help at employmentlawyer.ca is a good way to do it. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900. And you can always check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll get back to those emails after a short break. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. To reach out, get a hold of Lior's team anytime, one 855 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as we've mentioned uh, throughout the show today, we will continue to do so, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of things, including how much severance you should get on that uh, on that uh, landing page. So check it out when you got some time. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. I want to wrap up with emails. Uh, Fred, next one up says, I drive a school bus. My employer is federally regulated. And H told me that I only get two weeks severance. Are they right?
1: They are wrong. They are completely wrong. And many of our listeners may find that surprising. Uh, And the reason for that, first of all, let's be very clear. When it comes to a person's full termination entitlements, there's no difference. There is no difference between a federally regulated employer and a provincially regulated employer. They are the same. Their obligations are the same. Why? Because obligations and the employee's entitlements are based on a number of factors, your age and your position and the length of your employment, not the industry that the company is in. Some employers are regulated, uh, regulated federally, you know, banks, uh, railways, telecommunications, etc. Okay. Their obligations, though, are the same. Now, your minimum entitlements may be different whether you work for a provincially regulated employer or a federally regulated employer but who cares let's not worry about that those are those don't matter because your full entitlements have nothing to do with that so no he's owed much more than than 2 weeks pay he can go to severancepaycalculator.com or even uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to find out how much he's owed i get this all the time that's a wrongful dismissal you're owed full severance even if you're federally regulated
0: People get mired in that all the time, don't they? I, 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 in fact, I've, I don't even know if I am as an employee of this company, federally, but provincially. It makes no difference to me. But it, people get they get caught up in that, don't they, all the time? Or maybe they're told that when they go to get more severance.
1: Yeah, and by the way, you are federally regulated working, uh, working uh, for this company. But you're absolutely right. It does not matter. Your entitlements are going to be the same and, and so is everyone else's and, and the, the, the reason why that misconception is there is that you may go online and you know you know google and you find out what, what is severance for a federally regulated employee and you'll see okay it gets the two weeks well no no those are your minimum entitlements only those are not your full entitlements you're owed significantly more than that so because of that you can't just get your legal information anywhere That's why you you listen to this show, to get the right answer. That's why you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to get more answers. You can't just go to Google when it comes to your legal rights. Yeah, Google
0: University is never
1: a good place to start. We'll uh,
0: we'll move on to Sean. Sean says, I was let go for cause because my employer said I missed too many days of work for medical reasons. Can they
1: do that? No, they cannot do that. Uh, and, And the key here is for medical reasons. If you've missed days for medical reasons, it means you're not doing something wrong. It's not a type of behavior that can be corrected. You can't be told, well, just stop being sick uh, or or stop uh, having a medical condition. It's out of your control. Whenever you miss work for circumstances that are out of your control, you cannot be let go. You cannot be punished or penalized for it because, again, it's out of your control. Uh, and, you know, in that situation, especially when it's a medical issue, if you are let go because of a medical um, a medical issue, that could be a human rights violation. You cannot be let go in that situation. So uh, bottom line is you cannot be let go. You cannot be threatened. The company can't impose limits. You can only be gone for this many days. Well, it's nice to do that, but what happens if I'm sick longer? What happens if I have to go for a surgery and it, I right. can't be gone for three days? I have to be off for 10 days. Uh, The reality is if you're sick and can't work, as long as you have a doctor's note, as long as you have something from a doctor confirms your inability to work, that's it. You're protected. The company cannot do anything to you. cannot threaten you, punish you, let you go, uh, change your job, change your duties. can't do anything to you. If that happens, please, please reach out to me. I, I can take care of it. Get that doctor's note. Beyond that, just get better and get back to work and you're ready.
0: Yeah, that, that, that uh, medical backup is, is really your trump card in any situation I'm finding on the show when it comes to being let go or otherwise, right?
1: It is. It, it really is because no one really can argue with the doctor. If the employer doesn't right. believe the doctor, well, too bad. You know, Go to medical school and get a different opinion, but you, you <sighs> can't do that. Uh, so if you have a doctor backing you up, especially the doctor that you see regularly, that is game, set, and match. That's all you need. The company cannot do anything to you in those situations.
0: Let's slide uh, George's email in here in the last couple minutes. says, I've been on a disability leave for 20 months, almost two years. My employer has told me that if I don't come to back to work after 24
1: months, uh, then I quit. Seriously, is that correct? It absolutely is not correct. And first of all, the, the word quit, a person can only quit themselves. They cannot be told that they're <laughs> right. considered to have quit, okay? Uh, If the person decides to quit, they can quit. No one tells them to do that. Otherwise, it's a termination. So you can be off on a disability leave as long as you need to be. There's no limit Mm -hmm. on it. Now, in some situation, if it's clear that you cannot come back to work ever, well, then the law may consider that to be a frustration of contract. But it's not arbitrary. After two years or after three years, there's people that can be off for a few years, four, five, six years, and still be getting better on getting back to work when they're ready. So your employer definitely cannot impose that arbitrary deadline. You can tell them, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm back to work. I'll give you a doctor's note. And if your employer doesn't take you back, human rights violation, wrongful dismissal, you name it, they've done it, and that's wrong.
0: I think a lot of this might stem from, and you know, we, we, we know this from our, our good pal and your partner, Savannah Tamarkin, on the uh, in, your con, um, in your corner show, that that might be the threshold when your disability payments start going by at by 24 months, so the employer thinks, oh, okay, I guess I'm off the hook.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and yeah. that's a very important point because what happens with your insurance company and and what they do or not do uh, right or wrong is separate than what the employer does. Your your relationship with the insurance company is different than your relationship with your employer. And and with respect to your employer you can be off work as long as you have a doctor backing you up. Full stop. I cannot make this any simpler than that. That may not be enough to qualify for disability benefits. There may be other things that have to happen to qualify for disability benefits. But whether you qualify or not, whether you've been cut off for disability or not, that doesn't change your ability to be off work for medical reasons. If your employer won't let you do that, you reach out to me. And by the way, if you're an insurance company, the disability insurance company cuts you off before they should. Before you're ready to come back to work, reach out to me as well. We'll take care of that too. Before we uh, wrap up, Pocket Employment Lawyer. One more time, Pocket Employment Lawyer.ca. Br- a brand new tool just recently launched. Pocket Employment Lawyer.ca. As as the name suggests, John, it allows you to find out your rights in a number of situations on on your own with your uh, smartphone, with mm-hmm. your tablet. So go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Find out if you've been constructively dismissed, if you're owed money, uh, if you've been discriminated against, if you're an employer, or contractor, and many other things. Uh, if you've always wondered about your situation, no need to wonder anymore. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca right now.
0: Fantastic stuff. We'll uh, we'll leave it there for now. You want to reach out, one It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And again, as just mentioned, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. For lots more information, until next time, this has been the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.